Aren't you so grateful for what God's done? Amen. God has done great things. But there are still great things to come. You know, we sang he's coming back again. He's coming in his glory like they has never been seen before. But who is he coming for? For the church. And what are we supposed to be like? Without spot or wrinkle. So there's a work to be done. Amen. Judy, I thank you for uh, what you shared this morning. Thank you so much. Now, I'm going to give you the opportunity to turn, but before you move, just listen. And you at home, you can do whatever you're going to do. Um, but here, uh, greet somebody, greet a few people, but don't assume anything. Be respectful of each other. Ask if you, you can give somebody a, shake, a handshake or a hug. And if not, don't be offended. Just rejoice and just being uh, uh, respectful of them. Amen? So you can have at it. Well, this is that moment in time where I have to rein you back in. It's nice to be able to have to do that, but uh, uh, if you would head back to your seats. Thank you for joining us here today. Thank you for joining us online. We're very grateful for uh, you connecting. Um, when I think about God returning, you know, we all, we all want him to return and, and are looking for his return. And we know that before he does, there's a, a great, great work that he's going to do. But that work begins in us and then works through us in the world around us. And, and like I said, he's coming back for a church, the body of Christ, his bride, uh, without spot or wrinkle. And as, as I think about that, and I do, um, and think about what Judy shared today, how he was rejected for us so that we wouldn't have to be rejected But there's change that's necessary. You know, God's going to do a work in the earth, but he's going to do it through, through the body of Christ. And when I look at my life, I realize there's, there's, there's adjustment, there's change, there's things I have to put off and put away. And things I have to put on and, and walk in like never before to, to see what he has intended and, and planned and prepared. And we've been, we've been learning about this. We've been learning about how unity requires, or how revival requires unity. And we're all expecting revival, but revival begins with us. It's, it's a reconnection, a uniting with God. And uh, we, we looked at Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17 and, and realized that uh, in two places he says in verse 21 and 23, this won't be up on the screens, uh, but we've, we've looked at these before, how he said that, you know, I'm praying that you would be one as the Father and I are one, that you would be one in us, that there's a reconnection with God. And then he says in verse 23 that you would be one in perfect unity. It talks about the fact that, that the body of Christ would be united, 
that they would be brought to complete unity. And there was a reason for that, that the world would know that God sent Jesus. And right now, we, uh, I don't see it. I don't see it in my life the way I, I read God wants it. I don't see it in the body of Christ. And, and I've been talking with pastors all over the country this week and, and realizing that there is a work that, that God is going to do. And we have to choose whether we're going to allow him to to work in us and and for us to be connected with God and then connected with one another so that the revival of the world will will happen the way God intended but that revival requires love and and in our lives we're going to have to choose whether we're going to walk in love and when we're going to walk in love and how we're going to walk in love but there's not really a choice. God's, God's laid out what it means to walk in love and how, how we are, are to walk in love. And we see this. We see this beginning in the book of Acts where the body of Christ was reconnected with God, united with God in a fresh new way when Holy Spirit was poured out. There was a new power, a new connection, that, that unity first with God, and then there was a united with, with each other, and then thousands of souls were saved. And we've been looking at this unity and how important love is and, and what love is, is revealed as. And this morning we're going to continue with this and I'm, I'm just going to ask you to pause and pray because the most important thing here is today that you hear what God has. I need to hear what God has for me, what he's going to speak to my life, my heart, my circumstances and situations. And each of us, there's something God has for us. The Bible tells us that his word is life and health to those who find it. There, there's healing today for, for some as his word soothes and, and comforts and brings wholeness. His word is, is illumination that brings revelation that can work transformation as we, we incorporate it and live by it in our lives. This word is truth and it sets us free. Free, free, free to be able to, to serve him. Not to, to pursue all sorts of things that will distract and, and draw us away, but to serve him by serving others. Father, right now I thank you. I thank you for uh, those that are here, those that are online, those that are listening in. Father, I thank you for speaking to each one of us. You know exactly what we're going through. You have exactly what we need. And Father, just make it clear so that we can walk in the light as you are the light. Father, we thank you also for helping us recognize in our lives areas that need to be changed, things we need to let go of, and the things we need to embrace so that we will be prepared for your use. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being able to speak your word to your bride, the body of Christ. Lord, help us, help us grow in your grace and in your knowledge and being transformed to be more like your son every day, Heavenly Father. 
that the world would see Christ in us, who's the hope of glory. We thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name, and everyone said. And so we see that we've learned that revival requires unity. Unity requires love. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, we've looked at this before, but we're going to, again, revisit this where the Scripture says, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. Another translation says perfect unity. There's no other perfect unity than between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but God's saying that it's going to bind, we're going to be bound together in perfect harmony, perfect unity by clothing ourselves with love. And so love is, is something we put on every day, but that outfit of love has different parts. Just like you got, got dressed and clothed today, there are different parts to your outfit. Some of you have more, some of you have less. But that outfit, the characteristics of love are revealed in the preceding verses. That's why it says above all. And we began to look at this last week. We're going to continue in this this week and, and continue for a few weeks because there are characteristics, there are components of, of us dressing in love. And without this, we are not going to be what God intended us to be, and we're not going to be able to do what God intended us to do in the days that we live in. So in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 13, we read this last week, and we're going to read it again and begin to dissect more of it. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So this is, this is what God's word is saying, how important this, this, this love is. We're to clothe ourselves with love. And when we clothe ourselves with love, the different components of that love, how, how love is expressed and experienced. We we experience and we express it, and other people experience this love in these capacities, these fashions, these facets. And we're going to look in verse 12 and just see how it, it we looked at this last week and saw we clothe ourselves with compassion. Compassion is, is a consideration of other people. It's, it's noticing them, being aware of them. So many people are going through life, I being one of them at times. I'm sure you catch yourself too. Uh, going through life, there are a lot of things going on. There are a lot of things we need to do. There are a lot of things that are demanding our focus and pulling for our attention. And so I'll walk past people without really even noticing them. You know, it even happens here. This morning I was talking about how, you know, we, we know Shelby and Taylor have had a, a, a son. They're rejoicing with their son. We're rejoicing with them. That's one of the reasons why they're not here. Uh, Gabe, I said, is, is taking time with, to be with his family. And Gabe's sitting right in the third row. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> but but we, we don't always notice everybody, but God has for us to notice people. How many of you know God notices everybody? There's nothing hidden to God. He knows everything about everyone all the time. And not only does he know, he cares. And not only does he care, he wants to do something about it. And, and many times what God does is he'll use you. He'll use me. He'll use us as his hands, as his voice, as his arms, 
as a means to show his love to the people around us, those that know him and those that don't know him. And so we need to be compassionate. When Jesus was moved with compassion, people were healed. Lives were changed because he loved people. He didn't overlook people. And kindness, it goes on to say kindness. Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness. That word kindness means helpfulness or usefulness. Now today we're going to key in on the next word, which is humility. We know in the world we live in, humility is not a valued trait. It's not a trait that we see. Maybe, maybe you today think, oh, you know what, if you're humble, everybody will walk over you. No, that's not, not the truth. Uh, it may appear that way. But in the New Testament, there were four Greek words that were used and, and uh, translated as humility, and all of them mean of low estate. Now, humility is something that we need to understand and we need to embrace. We need to live out because without it, we're going to miss out on what God has for us to be and, and ha has for us to do. But people who are humble, and I've, I've taken these from various places that, that I was uh, reading through online, do not consider themselves more important or special or better than anyone else. Now, in, in the world today, do you see people that think they're better than other people? think they're more special. And, and that's, that's the exact opposite of what God has for us to walk in. But sometimes we feel like we need to stand up for ourselves. Listen, if you stand up for you, God won't. Hello? If we stand up in God and let God stand up for us, there is nothing that he can't do. Amen? And that's where we, we defer to him. Uh, humble people, people who are humble, see the value and worth in all people. They focus outwardly on others instead of inwardly. I don't know who said this, but it's, it's, it's a quote by someone who said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's just thinking of yourself less. And that's what we need to do. And how can we do that? I mean, we, we, we've grown up in a world that won't look out for us. And so if no one else will look out for us, we need to look out for us. Is that right? Is that what we've learned? But as a Christian, who looks out for you? God, God. And now we have somebody that not only looks out for us, but can do more for us than we can do for ourselves. And in that moment, as we humbly walk, not looking out for ourselves, but keeping a focus on God, our attention's on God, and God's attention is on people, and we can be used by God to care for other people. And as we do, we don't get lost. What does the Bible say? As you sow, you'll reap. It's more blessed to give than receive. So in those moments, we see that God, when we are letting go of ourselves to serve God and serve others, that's setting us up for being taken care of by God. And we don't have to worry unless we maintain the mindset of the world. If nobody looks out for me, I've got to look out for me. But realizing that if you look out for you, God will let you try and take care of you. God will let me try and take care of me. 
but God can do a much better of taking care of each one of us than any of us can take care of ourselves. Another, another uh, definition or, or uh, explanation of what people uh, that are humble are like, they treat others with the same respect they would like to be treated with. They're willing to give their own privileges, give up their own privileges and rights to serve and care for others who have less. They're not prideful or arrogant. One of the things we see so often are people that are looking down on other people, judging other people. And that's from a, a place of superiority. Uh, humble people don't have a, an air of superiority. They don't look down on other people. They don't judge other people. and They don't devalue other people or dismiss other people or ignore other people regardless of their differences or their state of life. In the fourth century, St. Augustine said this, should you ask me what is the first thing, I should reply the first, second, and third. And all is humility. Then Andrew Murray, who is from South Africa, said this, I stand amazed at how little humility is sought after as a distinguishing feature of the disciples of Jesus. Let us go to Jesus, hide ourselves in him until we are clothed with humility. Humility is the very essence of holiness. This is amazing what he wrote. It is the displacement of self by the enthronement of God where God is all. When we, when we look at other people, we may be tempted to think we're better, we're smarter, we're, we're whatever in an air of superiority, but that's not our place of comparison. The Bible says don't compare yourself by one another. Our look is to God. And, and when we look to God, it should humble us in realizing that a God who is perfect, who is powerful, who is all-knowing, cares about us. Why would he care about us? Because he chose to love. He chose to love us when we were not loving him, when we were enemies. And so God himself is the one we need to look at and look to. In the revivals, we're looking for revival. In the revivals, God used humble people. The Welsh revival, the revival of 1906, Azusa Street, it was, it was started by a pastor who was in Houston who was invited to speak in L.A. He came out to L.A. and he began to speak. And he was known as one of the most humble servants of God. His, his name is William Seymour, Pastor William Seymour. And, and one of the things that happened in this revival that began the Pentecostal movement and God poured out his spirit. There were miracles, there were healings, there were all sorts of things going on. And, and, and Pastor William Seymour, or yeah, William Seymour said that I don't want you talking about the miracles. I don't want you talking about all these things. What I want you to talk about is Jesus. You know, he could easily have said, you know, tell all your friends about me. Tell them what you're seeing, what, what, what God's doing, what I'm doing and God's doing. And, and yet there was something that was going on that was 
so amazing. There were people that were continuing to come and the, the meetings grew bigger and bigger. And it's estimated that hundreds of thousands of people's lives were changed because of these meetings. And as they grew, they had to move this, this meeting to Azusa Street. And there were people that were rich and poor sitting next to each other, black and white sitting next to each other. And it was very different from what the time was like what was happening in churches. There were, there were white churches, there were black churches, there were, there were churches that were very segregated. And you know, that's not what God has. But it's common to us because we want to go into a place where we see somebody like us and yet God says, we're all alike even though we don't look alike. We're his. And the elders, myself, we've been praying. We continue to pray that God would bring people that don't have any place else to go. That God would bring different kinds of people. And that when they walk through the door, and even before they get through the door, they would experience that love. Humble servants valuing them and and looking at them to see how they can help. You know, the Bible tells us about humble people. Throughout the Bible, we see people that were humble. The Bible says that Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. And God used him to impact Israel and the world. Paul was another one that we see a transformation, a process he went through from where he was in the world to where God had for him to be. God had Paul when he began to speak. He spoke of himself as a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was, he was elevated in his opinion of himself, his estimation of himself compared to other people. And When he was in that mindset, that's when he persecuted the church. He was imprisoning Christians. He was killing Christians. And that's what happens when we have that arrogant, prideful perspective. But as Paul continued to walk in God and gain in his connection with God, his unity with God and unity with others, he began to see himself in a different light. Humility began to come to his life in a greater way. He, he began to say, I, I am the least of the apostles. And then at the end of his life, he said, I'm the chief of all sinners. He, he realized that there weren't people that were worse off than him. He couldn't look down on somebody. But he needed to see them in light of what God had done for them and God was doing for him. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus teaches about humility and how important it is for us to come to the kingdom of God. Nobody, nobody receives salvation until they're humble enough to recognize their need. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 3 and 4, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, 
you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom. So he equates childlikeness, not childishness, childlikeness with humility. Now, humility realizes that the, somebody who's humble, they don't have it all. They don't know it all. That there's something beyond them. And, and when we relate to God, we realize God has everything we need. And we can't do it on our own. But it's easy to rise back up and thinking we're capable and we're able. And with God, all things are possible. And the Bible says with all things are possible to those who believe. But in this moment, little children, humility. John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus, he was one that prepared the way for the Lord. It was, it was prophesied to his father, Zechariah, about who he was. And, and the prophecy in Luke chapter 1 by an angel tells Zechariah how John will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And that's, that's how most Bibles translate it, but it is an inaccurate translation. I've been reading about people who are much smarter than me who study the Greek and, and they've indicated that in the original translation, the, the word thee, turn the hearts of the children to, the, or hearts of the father to the children. The word thee is not there. So in essence, what it's saying, a more accurate translation is, turn the hearts of fathers to children. That they would become humble. That's what John was doing so that he could prepare people for, to receive the Lord. Because without it, they wouldn't. And John himself, it was prophesied and spoken of Jesus that there was no greater prophet than John. And yet John said of himself, I must decrease that he must increase. You see, when we look at humility, it doesn't seem like it's, it's going to produce a lot in our lives, but whether we believe it will or it won't, we can see that even Jesus described himself as one who is humble. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, he said, take my yoke upon you. And he's talking about all who are weary and heavy burdened, you can come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls. There's no better description of Jesus than Jesus' own words, humble. When you think of, of Jesus, Jesus came from where? Uh, not a trick question. Where did Jesus come from? Heaven, yes. And, and so when Jesus came from heaven to earth, did he happen to give up anything? I know, it's a, it's a silly question. Jesus gave up so much. He was willing to put aside all that he had. And the Bible tells us that, that he put it all aside and humbled himself in obedience even to death on the cross. Jesus did what he did not for himself. He did it for us. Jesus put all that aside. Jesus humbled himself. He 
came in the form of man. He came into our troubled world, our broken world, because he cared so much about us. And he was willing to put aside all the things that he put aside and not come the way we would probably come if we were in his shoes. He was born in a manger, not in a castle or in a palatial place. Again, humbly revealing. When he came into Jerusalem, he came on a donkey, humbly riding on a donkey. Humility was a huge part of Jesus' life. And he didn't just live it, he also taught it in what he taught us to, to do, how he taught us to live in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. The first thing he mentioned in verse 3, he says, blessed, spiritually prosperous, happy to be admired are the poor in spirit, those devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant. Humble. Why? Because without it, we can't receive the kingdom of heaven. Until we're humble enough to recognize our need and recognize that, that God has what we need, we can't receive what God has for us. The Bible tells us in Romans not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And then in 1 Corinthians, and these won't be on your screen, but in 1 Corinthians... Paul says in chapter 4, who makes you different from another? What is it that you have that you haven't received? And if you've received it, why do you boast? What is it that you have, I have, any of us have that we didn't receive from God? Our breath? No, that was God. Our opportunities, that was God. I have to tell you that, that we tend, in, as speaking humanly as human beings, we tend to want credit for things. We want people to recognize us. We want people to listen to us. Right now in our world, there are so many people wanting everybody to hear them but so few people listen, willing to listen to anybody else. The humble listen, they value other people. The prideful think they have all the knowledge and they want to tell everybody the way it should be. And unfortunately, even the church, this is happening in. I realized that, that in my life there was a lot of pride. And there still is. And God's working it out of me, and I'm recognizing it as Holy Spirit reveals it. But when I was working in the job that I had before I went into the ministry, I was able to work on a project that was very new, very, very revolutionary. There was just our crew that was working with geothermal, and, and we were looking for an alternative uh, source of energy. And what we did was we would go to uh, a well that was flowing with 500-degree live steam. 
and what the scientists had determined was if we could drill a pattern of wells, four perimeter wells and one center well, just like on a, a, a die where you've got the five, and we could inject water down the center well and produce steam up the four perimeter wells, it could produce electricity as it goes through generators. And, and we, were, we were learning a lot, we were developing a lot, and I found myself getting upset that other people were get, getting credit for things that we were doing. And I remember sitting on, on one of the wells, not on the well, but on the well site. And, and I, I became very aware that I was, I was recognizing questions I felt God was asking me at that time. Who are you doing this for? Well, I'm doing it for you, Lord, which was not true. And I, I quickly recognized that I wasn't being honest. And I realized who had given me the job and how the Lord made me very aware that everything I do, everything all of us do, we should be doing unto the Lord. And if we're doing it unto the Lord, humbly unto the Lord, then he'll take care of us. And I felt like I was being passed over for promotions and things like that. And you may today. But I didn't realize that the Bible tells us that promotion comes from the Lord. As we humbly are obedient to God and, and, and look to God and trust in God, yield to God, God will take care of it. And I, 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 I found myself arguing with God, well, it's not fair. It's not fair. And God helped me understand that I might not get the promotion there, but promotion was coming. I never got the promotion in that job. But God promoted me out of that job. God gave me something even better than that job, and that was to be able to do what I'm doing. And God was preparing me for now, then. It doesn't matter who gets the credit. It, it, because really, the only person that really deserves all the glory all the credit, all the honor is God. Because when we lift up God, people will be drawn to him. But we can't give the credit, give the glory, give the honor to anyone when we're not humble. But when we are, we can in turn give glory to God. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, the humble. And then two verses later in verse 5 in the ERV, it says this. Thank you. Great blessings belong to those who are humble. They will be given the land God promises. Another translation says they will inherit the earth. It's really saying God will give all that he has to give to you. Why is that? Because humility is in a position of expecting, of receiving, of yielding, of allowing God to have his way, not our way. 
And finally, in 1 Peter 5, verse 5 and 6, Peter writes this, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. All of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble or gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So we're to clothe ourselves again with humility towards each other. Recognize the value that, that God sees in another. Recognize when we begin to judge and condemn and, and elevate ourselves, we're, we're missing what Jesus did. Jesus, who was without sin and perfect, when he could have cried out judgment from the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Humbly crying out for forgiveness. Right here, God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. When we humble ourselves, he elevates us. He'll bring you into what he has for you. And this, this grace that comes because we're humble, it's everything we need in every circumstance and situation. This won't be up there, but in, in Acts chapter 4, it begins with 5,000 people being saved. And it says that the multitude who believed were united as one, and there was great grace upon them. This unity, this, this love, this humility, it brings what we are longing and expecting for, the, the saving of souls. But it comes because we're united with God. We're united with one another. We're walking in, in love, in compassion, in kindness, in humility. We're, we're going to continue to look at this because it is... It is one of the characteristics that throughout the New Testament we are encouraged to embrace, and yet it is so foreign to us. It's so foreign to the world we live in, and yet it is so necessary for us in these days. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. Humility is what begins us on our journey towards God. We realize we we need what God has. We can't do it on our own. We're not strong enough. We're not smart enough. We're not talented enough. And God is. And as we humble ourselves and come to God, God has been waiting to pour out on us all he has, all he is, so that we receiving the grace that we're saved by. The Bible says we're saved by grace. And it's a gift that we wouldn't be able to boast. Just like Paul said, what is it that you have that you weren't given? And if you were given it, why do you boast? Today, if you have never turned to and trusted in Christ, today is the day of salvation. But the only way that happens is to admit 
your need. Admit that God is the one. Admit. We, we recognize Christ in his humility coming to earth and living a sinless life and dying on the cross to pay the price for our sin. We recognize who he is and what he's done. We humbly turn to him to trust in him, repent. And we receive him humbly as our Lord, the only Lord in our life and Savior. If you've never done that, I want to pray with you today. And I'm inviting you to pray this prayer. We're going to pray it together. Pray it from your heart. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who humbly came into this world, lived a sinless life, went to the cross as an innocent man and died for my sins, was raised from the dead, glorious and victorious. Lord Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. Today, I ask you to be Lord of my life. I want you to govern me, guide me, and guard me. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you pray that prayer either here or online, please let somebody know. If you're here, let somebody know before you leave. If you're online, go to uh, our website, reslifeny.org. Go down to where the prayer requests are. Let us know that you prayed. If you want us to pray for you by name, give us your name. If you want us to contact you, uh, give us some sort of contact information. This world, the world that we live in, needs to see humility. Because in our humility, Christ is exalted. They need to see him lifted up. The Bible says if he be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. He was lifted up on the cross, but he should be lifted up every day as we humble ourselves and allow him to be exalted in us and through us. Amen? Would you stand? Remember tomorrow to take time to just give thanks for... Uh, the sacrifice and service for all those who have served to uh, protect and provide our, our freedoms. Um, also, please pray. Pray for the families of those who have, been, have paid the ultimate price, uh, families that are missing family members, those that have uh, been injured in paying that price. Uh, pray for God's comfort and God's strength. Amen? Father, I thank you. I thank you for your children, for us that you're working in to will and to do your good pleasure. Father, we don't want to just be Christians in name. We want to carry and live the character of Christ, the character of love, the components of love that we would clothe ourselves with every day when we come into contact with people that, that don't know you and don't live and do the things you would have them do. Father, help us to, to walk in that love, to be compassionate, to be kind, to be humble, 
so that you can work in the midst of this to, to draw them to yourself. That, Father, as we humble ourselves under your mighty hand, that your grace would abound, your empowering presence to be what you have for us to be and do what you have for us to do because without you, we are not able, but with you, all things are possible. So we thank you as we go through this week that, Father, your presence is with us, your power is available to us. Your plan is intact, which is for good. Your callings are there for us to fulfill. That lives would be changed. That heaven would be full. Lord, we thank you for saving us and thank you for guiding us and empowering us to reveal you to others wherever we go. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, you don't have to listen to the ushers except don't go through that door. And if you're going through to the quest wing, please wear a mask and take your communion cups. There are some places to dispose of them. Thank you for coming. Have a great week.